to me, you know, having a great box of microphones and the ISAs, I go out and just choose the mic because you know I choose what I like, you know, and I like the sound of this mic and this and this and that. And I do things repetitively, of course, like every engineer. And you get your sound. I think it takes a while as an engineer to be comfortable with that because you're, you're trying to be somebody else for the longest time. And then all of a sudden you just go, oh, this, this, you know, this is how I'm cool with this. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Focusrite Pro Podcast. This is a mostly bi-monthly show where we dive into the cutting-edge technology behind professional audio products. My name is Dan Hughley, and I'm the U.S. Marketing Manager for Focusrite and Focusrite Pro. On this episode, which was recorded live from the AES show in New York, Ted and I are joined by our friend, Peter Moshe, who is the engineer behind Live from Daryl's House. We'll be discussing challenges with getting started in an audio career, developing and then being comfortable with your own sound, the importance of seeking out new music every day, and a whole lot more. Well, hey, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, yeah. yeah we're going to get started here in uh, just a second um, with what you're working on now. But before we do that, it's probably a good idea to talk about uh, your history with audio and where you got started and, and how you got to where you are now. Um, I started when I was young, just as a musician, you know. My grandfather was a musician and had a big orchestra in Los Angeles for 65 years. And so as a kid, I was a musician playing guitar guitar lessons, kind of moved over to drums, but I was always kind of, you know, futzing around, and I worked at a music store when I was very young, a place called Action Drum and Guitar, before the big box stores were around, um, and I only worked there because my mom dropped me off hours early before my lessons and couldn't pick me up until she got done, so I hung around so much that I ended up working there, and I worked there God, just until I was probably 15 years old. And then I uh, worked at the Guitar Center in Sherman Oaks and then Hollywood. Uh, and that's where I started meeting lots of you know musicians and stuff. And I started to get into pro audio. Uh, I worked in the pro audio department, drum department, and just was fascinated with it when the first keyboards and this gear came out. Did you have any challenges when you first got started in audio? Oh, there's tons of them, yeah. The cost of everything in the beginning was just, uh, it was crazy. There wasn't a lot of choice. I had a, uh, a Studio Master little mixer that I remember paying a fortune for, uh, an 8x4, and I ended up buying it. It was very expensive at the time, saving up a lot. And uh, yeah, I was fascinated with EQ. It had an interesting EQ that I wish I still had. Yeah. I noticed that a little bit before we started. Uh, you, you adjusted the EQ on these mics. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and thank you. I, I, I think mine sounds better uh, because of your influence there. So thank you for that. No, um, so yeah, Studio Master actually made some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the, I always remember that I was able to get the Tom sound of that I had always had in my head. And... Um, and I remembered at that point, I brought it to the studio I was working at, Fidelity Studios, my friend Cliff, and I said, man, this is the sound. Let's just, is there a way I can take this and get this sound into the console? And he was like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Our console is so expensive. It's worth way more than that thing and blah, blah. And, and I said, but listen to this. It's so much better than that. And uh, yeah, we never did it. But it was uh, still, I remember to this day, it was like, that was the sound of my dreams. Yeah. So that was in L.A. Yeah, that was in L.A. Right? You grew up yeah. in L.A. Yeah, and then, I grew up in uh, L.A. How did you end up 
migrating out here to New York? Uh, I moved to the East Coast. I had worked with lots of different bands over the years, and uh, I came out to work with the Cars, and we had been rehearsing here in New York City, and that's where I met T-Bone with Hall and & Oates. And uh, then after that tour, the last time the Cars toured as a band together, then uh, they called me and said, do I want to work you know, with Daryl and John? And I thought it would be a, you know, a good five-month run and here it is 30 something years later and we're still still going yeah and um, and, and just uh, for our listeners uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing now uh, now we we have a club uh, for many years I was the production manager and I did front of house sound uh, along with yeah, lots of great front of house sound guys too with Hall and Oates um, but I did front of house sound was production with Hall and Oates and um, we opened our own club up in upstate New York in Paul in New York uh, Daryl's House Club We've been doing that for five, almost, yeah, a little over five years now. And we're going to open up some more clubs around. Our next one's going to be in Charleston, South Carolina, where Daryl also has a place. Um, and other places as we find them, you know. And uh, we stream live our shows there. We do shows uh, five nights a week. Um, and as well on uh, in the morning and the evening and on the weekends. And uh, all sorts of bands, you know. So, so it started out though. Live at Daryl's house started out as like an internet. Yeah, show, it's, right? yeah. It started out with Daryl. Like I said, he had an idea. Um, it was actually at his house. Yeah, right? it was at his house. He had this uh, house he was building up in upstate there, right above Pauling. And he said one day we had he had this big room, in between two houses. It was two houses that he he had on his lot, and he built a, a breezeway between them, which is the two two houses are connecting together and we were rehearsing for a Christmas tour and they were just rehearsing acoustically like they had done lots of times before and uh, he said you know the internet had just kind of been really ramping up and you know it was big AOL was big everything was you know okay this is happening now the internet is happening for sure um, he said, you know, what a, you know, instead of me traveling every day to shows and all this, why, why can't I just do a show here and we send it out to, you know, and do, we broadcast it to everybody. And, uh, you know, and we just do it out of the house and everybody could watch like they're a fly on the wall. And I said, well, I said, you know, we just we still only have dial-up, you know. They're just getting DSL. I, go, I don't know if it's possible yet, but I looked into it and he said, you know, I want to do it. You know, we'll just, just make it real rough low, you know, just get some handy cams and let's see if we can do it. That's how it started. And uh, do you recall who your first artist was that was on the uh, show? It was him. Oh, it was yeah. just him. It was him. He had done an album uh, and he just played acoustically with with a band, with our, you know, generally our band, except for uh, we had Sean Pelton come in because our drummer at the time was living in, uh, in Portland. So we had Sean Pelton come in and play and he just played a bunch of his new songs and a few old songs. And uh, we did 21 songs or 27 songs. I remember it was way too ambitious at the time. We thought we were going to just breeze through it. And, you know, in hindsight, it's like, wait, Daryl, that's, that's like two long concerts. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. And, uh, but we did it, and it became the first two episodes. And it caught on. I mean, it caught and, on. Yeah. It, caught it, on quick, it took quickly. a minute to catch on because... There wasn't really high speed back then. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, it was low. It was kind of lower. It the video was fifty-two was kilobits. Was what it you know, was. We yeah. we all had dial-up modems, so we couldn't even watch it ourselves. We had to go 
Like That's I went funny. over the, to Connecticut to watch it at my friend's house who had a cable modem. Um, were these, uh, so in the beginning, these weren't live streams, these were actual recordings? Yeah, we recorded it, and we had to, because at, at his house there, uh, there was a phone line. That's sure. it. Okay, yeah. You know, so we, we always have to record it. We could live stream it now if we wanted to, sure. but, you know, you got to cut out the bathroom breaks, you got to yeah. cut out some stuff. Sure. It, it generally goes in real time. Um, occasionally, we'll do multiple takes of a song if somebody really screws up something, but... Generally, you know, everybody likes to just get it and be done. Especially Daryl, just likes he doesn't like to do multiple takes of anything. No, it has a great vibe in the show yeah. as well. And and so when you when you um, when you progressed from uh, from those first shows, uh, did you have artists coming to you wanting to uh, to be on the show, or did you have to seek out some artists? We seeked out stuff. I mean, I think you know we saw people on the internet. You know, people had, but actually in the beginning it wasn't as many people approaching us as there is of course now um but you know daryl would like to he always wanted to just pick the artist and make sure that it was something that he liked yeah you know um that was kind of just the the criteria for the artist it always has to be his choice because he's got to gel with it i mean from el king to CeeLo green there's been a vast array of artists that you've had on the show yeah it's amazing i you know and it's like 90 90% 90% of the time, I'd say, it's when you see us meet, that's the first time we meet him. Really? Yeah. There's no, there's no there's rehearsals? No rehearsals. That's there amazing. is no rehearsals. Um, they, they get together sometimes with uh, Shane, Daryl get together with them, and, you know, maybe go over the songs and, you know, come up with maybe an idea of where to edit things possibly, or who's going to sing one part, maybe. But then again, it's always open for discussion, you know. They just want to have an idea so they don't get bogged down in dumb details, you know. You don't need two people singing the same chorus. Yeah, and it's like, and also we, you know, do you ask the artist, like, you sing it in the same key in case there's an issue of that. So they talk about it just in rough specs, you know. And also got to make sure if there's any songs, because uh, licensing clearances and stuff are very you know the bane of our existence right so yeah i, re- I remember you telling me that that was uh, one of the challenges that you had yeah uh, we and- found that out later yeah <laughs> oops a beg for forgiveness type of, type of situation yeah yeah especially once you it, it becomes popular you, then uh, all of a sudden everybody wants more and more and more so i'm sure it's uh the legal department is probably the wealthiest of the whole entourage generally is yeah. for most entrepreneurs. <laughs> well, you haven't suffered for, from good guests, though. I mean, everybody that's ever almost been on that show, every episode I've ever watched is yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, it always comes together. And Yeah, and the way Daryl interacts with all these different talents from all these different genres. And, and he can make quick decisions, quick decisions about how to do a song. He hears it, he's... He's got an idea. I mean, he's never short of ideas. There's no question, especially with the, the group of people there, too. The band is so freaking talented that um, there's just no shortage of ideas from everybody. Um, but, you know, it always everybody always looks to Daryl because he's got some of the best ideas. And the artist as well, you know. It's like when Todd Rundgren comes on, there's no question he's going to have a lot of ideas, too. I'm sure the inspiration goes both directions uh, absolutely. in those cases. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we also, you know, the idea is to not do the songs the same, you know? No. You know, like, let's, you've heard it the same, you know, we're not trying to reproduce anything. 
uh, let's, especially when Daryl does his own songs, you know, he wants the other artists to choose a song that they like uh, of his and then do it different. He loves when people do his songs different. So talk to some of the maybe technical, you know, issues or, or uh, problems you faced from, you know, the, in, the uh, infancy of that show to where it is now. Like, how have you evolved? Yeah, it's evolved. It's evolved a lot. Um, you know, the one thing that in the beginning that I always realized with him and, and all artists recording uh, is that you just got to be ready and you got to be in record immediately. You got the first take has got to be the be, you know it's got to be a great take. Everything has to be ready. So preparation is key. You know, I got to know what I'm walking into. I try to get as much details as I can. I also try to make sure that I shape and make sure I choose all the right stuff to make sure I'm capturing it all right, you know, is the best I can. And there's no room for technical error is what no, you're saying? No, There's no, oh, uh, you know, let's do it again. I didn't get, no. There's none of that. I've never had that happen, thank God. And uh, no, it's got to go down immediately right. There's no rehearsal, so once they walk in the room, we're recording. And they don't try it out first and do a couple run-throughs. It's just go. And, and you said you have 100 performances uh, We've today. had almost 100, yeah. That's, that's incredible. Really close to 100, yeah. And, uh, shows, yeah. and do you have some more uh, planned in the future? We've I'm already sure got well. some in the can, yeah. And Good. Yeah, there'll be more. Daryl and John are on the road yeah. a lot right now. Yeah. That's great. Which is, I love seeing them on the they road. They never stop. That, you know, they never stop. You know, they, they never will either. They're, they're passionate about their craft. Yeah. And, and that, that comes through uh, both in their work, work ethic, like you're saying, they're never going to stop. Uh, and then in the music, th that they can... Um, they can recreate other people's music, and then they, from you saying that uh, that Daryl loves uh, when people change his. I mean, that's a true artist right there. That's that's him taking his ego out of the equation and and just loving the art and 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 being um, active in the community and always uh, always advancing himself. You know, he just always says when people do his songs, it's it's a compliment to a songwriter. You know that they love the song. And I thought when we got in our club that. You know, when I first started at our club, I thought, oh, everybody's going to come in every day. I'm going to be hearing people doing Hall and Oates songs. And the surprising thing is, I never hear anybody do a Hall and yeah. Oates song at our probably club. Afraid to. They're afraid to. <laughs> they all say that, exactly. And I thought, why would they be afraid to oh, do that? Do it. Do it, yeah, man. He would love it. He loves it. You know, especially if you do it different. You know, he, he likes when people, you know, put a different spin on it. And I think any artist would. I've never actually heard artists say otherwise. And you would think that maybe it would you know I guess I thought that too that artists wouldn't like oh don't touch my song but I think every artist I've encountered says no it's once I'm going to put it out go do something with it too you know make it your own let's collaborate and have fun yeah yeah exactly it's a, yeah. it is a job but it's a fun job yeah oh I yeah exactly it's it's fun you know I get paid to travel I don't get paid to do the job the travel is expensive yeah <laughs> Uh, talk to us about. Um, I know I've uh, I met you uh, early on in my days at Focus, right? Yeah. Uh, just through you um, reaching out to me. Um, yeah. Because you have a huge history using our ISA mic. Yeah, I've had ISAs since the 115s, which were the 115s are the which I still have, which is the ISA preamp with the EQ in it, and the separate power supply is stereo uh, unit. That was my first. Yeah, I bought one, and the first thing that I had a lot of experience with it, and I used it on everything. That was my vocal channel, you know, that's still to this day, it's my, it's, you know, I, it's just go-to vocal channel, you know, 
when you use hardware. It, the EQ is just gorgeous on it, and the preamp is just lets the mic shine through. It's beautiful. Um, of your workflow, what is uh, uh, about the ratio um, analog to digital gear that you use? Do you use any? I know you have a lot of analog gear, but do you yeah. use plugins for processing as well? Yeah, I use everything. Yeah, everything. I like it all. Do yeah. You have, do you have any favorites you want to talk about? Uh, we have gear. Uh, well, oh, uh, any, plugins. Anything, yeah, plugins. Anything. Anything. You know, I use everything. Yeah, everything out there. I really do. I mean, my ISAs are my front end for everything. You know, I've done every show using the ISA eight to eights because there's. I don't want to say predictable, but I know what I can get out of them immediately. I know exactly where the gain's got to be on any microphone. You can just tell me what microphone, what the source is. I know exactly where to set it for. And that's due to your experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I've learned over the years, you know, that a 57 on a snare drum should be about 20 dB a gain, depending on how hard the guy hits. If You know, if it's a loud show... Most singers need on a dynamic microphone 40 dB a gain. Not an SM7B. 30, not an FS7B. No, you actually need probably 40 dB of gain at least on this mic. We're at, uh, they're really low. We're yeah. at 66 right now. Yeah, these on need mine, a lot. Yeah. yeah, these definitely need a lot. But put a snare drum down, you're not going to. Yeah, you're going to be using your clipper on that. <laughs> and, and some of that 66 is probably due to that noise floor that we some people might be hearing out there. So when you're, you're building a new club, all the things you've learned over the past three years or four years, whatever it's been, at the, at the yeah, club Yeah, five years at the club. Yeah. Five years at the club yeah. and polling. You can port that over and design a, oh, yeah. a, I mean, a workflow in a, in a for basically sure. a studio environment in a live club. Yeah, it's almost, it's, it's as you guys know, it's, it's merged. And thank God it's merged to one technology, which is Dante. I mean, you'd be a fool not to jump on to... Not only not jump onto it, but you know, set your whole scene up in there because it just makes it. I don't want to say it's foolproof. It takes a little bit of diving into, but it's simple. Just the way it's all laid out visually is great, you know. And uh, if you know whether you're building a recording studio or you're building a, a live network, it's the only way to go. It's the smartest way to go, and it's a. Yeah, we'd like to think we'd like to think that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when uh, I always tell the story of when uh, Ted brought over the thing, you brought it over. You showed up at three thirty when we started setting up. While I was setting up the show, I set up the RedNet network, and by five thirty, we were recording with it. We were doing the show with it, like setting it up and and micing up the stage. In two hours, it was we were multi-tracking, and I felt like I knew it immediately. Because the gain staging is pretty much the same as the ISA too. So you have, uh, sorry, I, I I must have missed that. Then you, uh, your clubs are are RedNet uh, clubs. Thing. But Ted brought over the the uh, RedNet system to try out, you know, to to see because we're opening other clubs. It's for sure all going to be RedNet. You know, I've spec'd it out for our other venues already. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes once uh, it's originally built, it's uh, a little too late. But then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I already own 64 channels of uh, of ISAs that are fabulous. <laughs> so what are some who are some of the other singers though? I mean we, we all know Daryl and, and Oh I worked with Journey but, for a while. But there the was cars. a period there you've worked with a lot of a lot of yeah. artists, right? Yeah, a lot of artists. I mean uh, the Hall and Oates was uh, uh, managed by Tommy Matola who obviously was with Mariah uh, for a while. I kind of did some stuff with, with them and uh, Barry Manilow was kind of the big first tour I was on. Uh, 
Yeah, lots of artists over the years. Lots. Yeah, all great singers. Yeah, I mean, every day at our club, uh, there's, and it blows me away because you know, having been on the road with all these bands over the years, uh, the same band say, I didn't get out and see lots of other bands. Of course, what I heard on the radio, I'm always you know trying to listen to new music. But there's a different scene out there in that are doing the club circuits, doing clubs like ours between the you know a thousand and under market, uh, and the the bands that are out are amazing. There's some just amazing bands that blow me away every day, you know. And I've been working, you know. Sometimes I get to work with these bands that come through. We just had you know Aaron Neville played at our club. He lives right in Pauling, and I've been working with Doesn't him. Really? Yeah, he lives right. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. A couple miles away. And so I've been working up at his house and putting a little studio together, and he's working on new songs. It's a great little community up there. It that, is. That it's, area is really cool. It's great. I it really love is. going up there to visit you. And it's amazing the artists we get where we are, too, you know, because it's, it's an hour and a half outside the city. Uh, so it's, it's good for some artists that are still you know, they're playing in the city, but also coming, you know, uh, going north. But it's out of the way. But we still make it work. Yeah, we we need to build in another day next time we do this, so we can uh, make a trip up there and, and catch one of these bands. I we meant to do that on this trip, and I I, I don't know why we uh, dropped the ball on that. But uh, next time, next year it's, for sure. It's like the the bands that we get booked in there are it surprise me all the time. I get surprised every day. And how, how many nights of the week? Five nights a week. Nice. Yeah, yeah. and uh, two shows. Or, you know, we do brunch music on the weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays, where we do, you know, a stripped-down band or smaller bands, usually acoustic, be like bluegrass, Americana music. So not too loud, you know, on the for brunch time. You know, because a lot of times people just want to be with their family, but it's great to have great music there. Half the people, and I try to keep it at a volume there where people can still talk or they can listen to the music. Great food and drink, too. Yeah, the food's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> it really is welcome addition. Are you a, are you a one-man team or do you have uh, some other engineers with you as well? Uh, I always have a great assistant with me, guys that I've trained, you know, uh, that, and yeah, I'm looking, I've got another guy that I'm working with now that I just started with. The guys that I've been working with have moved, that one guy I had for a long time, he moved on and is actually teaching too. And uh, the other guy I recently had is working here in the city with uh, another great recordist friend of mine that is in the city. So I like to try to get, I like to try to train people and just pass my knowledge along to other people. And I do at the club. I try to get people in there. And, you know, I think at first they don't think they're going to learn, they're going to learn something, learn some tricks. But I think by the time a year goes by, they they learn a lot more than they thought they were going to learn. We were talking about that with the president of AES about the mentorship. Yeah, there needs to be more of it. Yeah, because I think I think that that's such a uh, there's such an addiction for everybody to just go buy gear and think that that's going to really, you know, you buy this great gear and it's going to do it for you. And yes, the gear is phenomenal and it's great, but you know, learning from a pro some of the inside little things is going to make even the least expensive gear because honestly I've I've said to many people I'd love to do a challenge and I know people have done it on the internet take the least expensive piece of gear that's out there and uh, you know have it up you know with a good engineer can do just as good of a record as pretty much guys with really high-end expensive stuff yeah we uh, we had done a video project with um, um, a YouTube person 
who rented out uh, a studio in, I think, Sunset Sound um, and recorded something and then took the same band uh, to his home studio and, and recorded the same band doing the same song through one of our interfaces. And, you know, through mani manipulation and through plugins and things like that, he was able to get it very close with, you know, just a, a very inexpensive signal chain compared to a, a studio with all the history and, you know, almost no expense spared. It, it really blows me away, the technology, because um, I was saying the other day that, you know, my one project that I did when I was starting with my friend Cliff, who was an engineer at the studio, he was the head engineer at the studio, uh, we had bought a, he had bought a Fostex 4-track, you know, everybody remembers the old what was it, $399 back then, Fostix 4-track. And we had a Roland JX, Roland uh, JX8P or something, and he had a guitar and a rock man. And we were going to recreate Dark Side of the Moon <laughs> on that. And, you know, we just we thought, well, just, you know, pile on as much stuff on one track and just keep bouncing, and we're going to do it and do it. And, do, and, uh, and it was fun to do. I mean, of course, it was fun to try. Um, but now you can do it. I mean, I mean, you can actually do it. And I've heard people, you know, you go to YouTube, you can listen to some stuff that people do. And then even if they're doing it in a semi-decent studio with good gear, some of the stuff I've heard is mind-bogglingly good. You know, we're not limited. I, I always tell everybody, we're not limited by the equipment we have anymore. We're not. We're, we're blessed. We're blessed with these tools. It's... Um, one, one thing I wanted to go back on while you were talking about teaching the, the younger generation, um, one thing that I find is if I'm teaching something, I end up learning more and taking more away than if I was studying. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, totally. I always learn because, you know, you listen to what these guys have, you know, figured out just hunting and, you know, trying things. And yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of like going around YouTube and just watching videos. This now you're going to pick up something from everybody. And, you know, they have these the class to, classes of, uh, you know, mixed with the masters and all those kind of things, which are, which it's great. But you can learn from anybody, anybody. And I'm sure, like I, you know, you've learned tricks from people that you didn't even know existed in, you know, software. I definitely have, especially with the newer technology. Um, you know, I've uh, I've been out of school for a while now, so when something new comes out, I have to rely on those YouTube people to learn a little, learn the tricks of it. You know, it's a compressor is a compressor, but then when it has a new feature on it, you know, it's like, well, what's that do, and how can you use that creatively? And and uh, and and you know, that's another way to uh, to get inspiration is through the creative uses of some of these tools. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I found over the years, like, you know, of course, you know, everybody uses Pro Tools is the you know very big de facto thing, the amount of key commands and things in Pro Tools is, you know, I've worked with guys that work at the company that go, wait, what was that key command again? I, what, how did you, I, like, there's just so many. You can't know them all. It's impossible to know them all. You know what you need, and then as things come up, you, you know, you figure them out. And I write them down. I have, of course, a little list in my phone of, you know, things that I see somebody doing. I'll write them down. And you don't use them all, but you know, one little trick here and there. Sometimes it's the only way to do it. Yeah. Which is which is uh, kind of mind-boggling there. You know, it's why, why is it only one way to do it? You have to know Shift-Command-K to bounce a song out or something. Yeah. Yeah, we had the artist Nick uh, Waterhouse on our show. And uh, he, you know, when I was listening to his album before he came on the show, I was like listening to it, and I said, i got to talk to him about this. And, and as I was talking to him about it, 
he did it all in his house and his little setup, you know, and his computer. And he wanted to get that old sound. And he told me, you know, how, how did you get that, like, really distorted up in your face vocal thing? And he said, oh, I use this little ART. I don't know what the name is. And I went, oh, my God, I know exactly what it is. The ART, you know, the first tube MP, little mic preamp thing that they yeah, made. I remember that. It was like 99 bucks. Yeah. Um, he goes, I just... You know, floored it, and it has the, and I, I know exactly the sound because I, I had one, and I knew that sound exactly. And I went, and I did, and that's exactly what we did on the show. I took uh, the same mics that we're using now, these SM7s here, and I recorded it neutrally. But after the fact, I looped it through that thing to get that sound, and uh, yeah, it, it got that distorto sound like he used on his album. Kind of cool. I wasn't going to commit to it while we were recording, although I did loop it through so they could hear that sound, you know, as they're doing it, which is cool. little tube saturation. That yeah. always sounds great. Yeah, it was whatever it did in the circuitry, you know, it's not something that I think probably happened on purpose. It probably was budgeted to sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they probably budgeted it and it ran out of headroom at a certain spot and that's the sound you got. That's it. And uh, it's desirable. At this year's show, is there anything that you've seen that that, that you're uh, interested in yet, or have you not been around the floor enough? No, I just went around one time. I mean, I kind of feel like I just come to see friends. I really do. <laughs> just come to see friends. Uh, I, I love that I can see all the new stuff and look deeply into it on the web pages, and you know, everybody announces their stuff. So, you know, I can look at all that. I think I'm geared up. I feel like I just, I have no, I need more time to, in, you know, to use what we got. You've got a great collection of, of yeah, I got board and great and, stuff. Yeah. I, I never feel like I am in need. I'm very blessed, you know, with all the stuff I've had over the years and microphones and, and that. I mean, I, to me, you know, having a great box of microphones and the ISAs, I go out and just you know, choose the mic, because, you know, I choose what I like, just, you know, like, just like clothes, you choose what you like, you know, and I like the sound of this mic and this and this and that, and I do things repetitively, of course, like every engineer, they like the things, and you get your sound of uh, what you like, and, and it, I think it takes a while as an engineer to be comfortable with that, because you're, you're trying to be somebody else for the longest time, and then all of a sudden you just go, oh, this, this, yeah, this yeah. Is how I'm cool with this. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a maturing point. When you reach that point as an engineer, where you go, yeah, I'm, I don't need to try and sound like no, everyone yeah. else. This yeah. is what I do, and, if, and this is yeah. Of course, I listen to what everybody else does, and I'm inspired by it, and I go, oh yeah, this this day, try this and this. But capturing shows and things now, um, yeah, I'm not nervous about it like I used to be. You know, I. I love the challenge of it. There's nothing more challenging than getting one shot at recording a, an event. The shows certainly sound great. That was the one of the first things that I think everybody noticed about the series. Yeah, thank you. It was yeah. the audio quality. In the beginning of the show, we had to deal with Adobe encoding, real encoder. So we were like, the first shows were mono, oh, real low bandwidth. And I, when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, no, you know did all this work 
and I talked to the web people and I said, but you know, I, I tried all these and it, like, it sounded so much better, like, but we couldn't do it in the beginning because bandwidth, you know, it, the one prerequisite we always had is as soon as you hit the button to play it, it had to start playing right away. We said it's got to be that way because, you know, we had all experienced the click and it didn't load and it stuttered and this and that. And so our prerequisite in the beginning of doing the show was it's got to be like this. So the only way we could do that is audio had to suffer a bit in the beginning. And then when people got better bandwidth, then we got up to doing it at, uh, you know, higher bit rates and stuff. And so now we're, that doesn't really matter anymore. And, and you know, I look at what people what people are listening to the show on. And when I live stream uh, shows out of our club, I ask people, because I sit on the chat sometimes and will, you know, if I get a second, I'll, you know, ask, like, what are you listening to it on? And I, I can, you know, now really easily say, it's 90% of people who are listening on a phone. They really are. You know, they're moving while they're listening to stuff like this or on an iPad. Like I say, how many people are listening on a computer through good headphones? And it's, you know, if it's two people, I'd be surprised. You know, if, you know. I, I know I listen to some of the um, the, the Live from Daryl's House shows and uh, they, through proper headphones or speakers or both, I've done it, I've, I've listened both ways and, and that sound quality is there. Yeah, well, I, I use a program called Line In for anybody who wants to download it, Amoeba software, it's free. It allows you to take a line input. I, well, on old MacBooks, you could. You can, do, I guess, do it on new ones too. If you get, a, get an interface, um, you uh, you can get live line input, so you can listen through your laptop speakers, and you know, live in real time, listen through them. Because, and, and I do that. So as I'm mixing, I listen in all things. I listen in headphones. I listen on the laptop itself. I, you know, get the white earbuds out, and listen to it on that. So just to make sure, you know, now I got it down to, a, you know, kind of a, a formula, but you still got to check it on everything. You know? Back to you, what you said about being comfortable with your sound. Yeah. Um, at, at, the, at that point, that, that point of uh, switch there, do you realize that the reason you're employed is because your, your sound is now the desired sound? I, I'm just trying to translate what the musicians really want, you know. I, I want to be fairly neutral and then be like a musician in the band that adds some inspiration for what I do. You know, my first goal is, you know, just to capture it and make sure it's all good so that, uh, you know, you can get a good mix on it later or, you know, capture it going down live good. Um, it just depends on the formula. If it's streaming live, you know, you got to do everything all at once. You know, that's why, like, you know, the uh, the TV shows, the uh, you know, American Idols and voice shows that go out live, you know, those guys, they got, they got to do it great right now, you know, and there's very little on those shows that ever goes wrong, you know, my hat's off to them, you know, there's little feedbacks every now and then, but that, that kind of mixing is, that is the Jedi Master of audio, the Grammys, doing those shows where it's going live, um, and that you've got a lot of audio changing over, you know, Ted, you know it well, where, you know, you're switching over a, you know, 60, 70 input band uh, in 15 minutes and going live, and you've got to recall a mix, recall everything. I mean, now we can do it. In the olden days, 
it's amazing we could pull it off back in those no, days. No, it's it, it's appreciated what you yeah. used to be able to pull off without recall. And when you had yeah. when you had um, the pots and the faders that yeah. you had to look at a sheet and it's remember the grease pencil exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. paper tape. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, you know, with the career that you've had, your your sound is obviously a sound that you're doing something right. You're representing your artist correctly because yeah. you've been able to stay employed for such a long time, and Thank you have God, an impressive yes. career. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a blessing. I love it, you know, and I, I think people people that I work with see that too. You know, I'm just as, I'm just excited as excited about their music as they are, you know, and I'll put just as much into it as they do. Yeah, I think you're like the rest of us. You just like high quality audio, and yeah, then... like high quality audio. I like hearing new music. I search out new music every day. I still do. Through you know? your experience, that helps you to recreate that. And yeah. that's that's incredible. That's not something that everybody can do. Yeah, and think about, I always will tell, you know, younger kids now, I used to have a budget of three to four hundred dollars a month I would spend on new music, going out and buying CDs yeah, and tapes or whatever back in the day. And now I only spend 20. You know, I, I subscribe to Apple Music and Spotify and I have I have everything for 20 bucks, so we're so lucky in this day and age, you know. We're, we're, you know, all these great pieces of gear that you can get, interfaces and stuff that are, you know, $200, $300. I'd have no problem making records with these things. No problem making any artist in the world, you know. That's what's beautiful about it. You're, we're not limited by technology anymore. And that's made it so great for musicians and artists and podcasters and movie makers too. Yeah. yeah, same thing. Movies same thing on with iPhones. The, yeah, it's exactly. great. Yeah, so the technology all around has not only gotten better, but it's gotten less expensive. And, and it's legit. And it's like by any standards legit. I mean, it used to be like you felt, I, I would feel like, well, you know, there's, there's the consumer, prosumer, but the line is actually now kind of blurred. Really, even blurred lower. You know, you'd. you'd it's blurred at all all costs now, which is great. Yeah. So not only, um, I just wanted before we close, uh, remind people that it's not just live from Daryl's House, but Daryl's House Club. Yeah, Daryl's House you Club. You have live streaming. Yeah, on of, our Facebook of page. Of the bands. Yeah, yeah Facebook. on your Facebook page, and it's great. Yeah. I love it when you text me some, some nights yeah. and you're like, hey, check this out. Check you know? it out. A good ba- yeah, I yeah. Only, I'll only do bands that I know, you know, that I've kind of worked with before maybe, or that I kind of know the music because, you know, it's a two-man operation there. Yeah. Uh, and so for two... Yeah, but what you guys do, it's Yeah, amazing. for two guys, we got a, all the balls in the air at one time because, you know, uh, my other guy runs the cameras and I take care of all the audio, usually both at front of house and in the control room because the mix, at, the mix in the club is... It's totally separate than the mix for the live stream. So I'm kind of doing two mixes at once because the mix in front of house will won't translate to there uh, unless it's an acoustic thing. But the mixes you do for the streaming are great. Oh, thank you. Whenever yeah. you, yeah, I my laptop HDMI to my uh, yeah. receiver, so I get to watch it full screen. Oh, good. Turn yeah. it up. Yeah, my wife and I, we have a good time. It's good. Yeah, people would be surprised. You feel like you're there. It's great. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to capture. I put a lot of room mics up there to capture the ambience of it. That's the one thing that I spent the most time learning of how to get the sound of the space without it ruining the punch of the instruments and and the the definition. Because a lot of times the sound of the space uh, can be 
you know, ruined by the, you know, they're, they're, the instrumentation could be ruined by the yeah, space. Yeah, it's all about the room. You know, and yeah, the, yeah, the room. You know, even in arenas, it's hard. The club, it sounds really good in that oh, club. Right. Anyway, it's fantastic. I mean, it's got its, it's got its warts as all places do. But um, you know, once you know where they are, it's easy to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, we appreciate your time here. Thanks for having me, yeah. and keep up the great work. No, oh, you do the same. We uh, we admire the work that you do, and uh, thank you for uh, for creating such great audio. All right, thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks, Peter. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Focus Right Pro podcast. This mostly bi-monthly podcast is produced and hosted by me, Dan Hughley, for Focus Right. Music is by Merlin. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join the conversation on social media at Focus Right Pro. For more information, please visit our website at www.pro.focusright.com.